Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning and uh, welcome. Glad you guys are here. I don't know if you have ever been just in uh, where a moment where you just kind of sensed in, in your own person, in your own spirit, in your own mind that um, you just kind of want to, I don't know, be in the presence of the Lord and, and sit before Him uh, quietly. And uh, I'd like to do that for a moment if you'll, if you'll join me in that. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. If you're joining us online or one of our other locations, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing as well. Let's, uh, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and, and turn our attention and our focus uh, again and increasingly to the Lord. Lord, when I think about the fact that, that I've been following you, you now for um, like 25 years, and in some regards, I feel like I know you so well in ways I've seen you move through the truth of Scripture, um, through my time spent with you. And then at the same time, I, I feel like I am just at the surface level of discovering the depths of who you are. Um, and I feel both of those things at the exact same time. And, and my thought is that that's probably okay, and that's probably right. And so I, I guess I just want to praise you and say thank you that, that I could walk with you, I could know you, and you could know me, uh, through Jesus over the last 25 years. And, and I feel closer to you than anyone else. And I imagine there are other people in this room or wherever they're joining from, they feel the exact same way. And then at the same time, that there's so much to know about who you are and discover in the depths of your character and beauty and love and grace and justice and wrath and glory and holiness and, and long-suffering and patience and perseverance, right? There, there is so much depth to that. That... Uh, I will spend eternity with you, and I don't think um, I'll mind the depths of who you are. That actually brings me joy. I pray that that thought brings joy to my friends here as well. Um, I also pray that there's a, a level of, of awesomeness realized with that, that like we have been welcomed because of the kindness and the generosity and the work of the awesome creator of the universe, the Holy One who resides among us, who has every reason to stiff arm us and keep us uh, at more than arm's length, to actually leave us in total separation from yourself. Yet you lay out a welcome mat through the blood and death and body, burial and resurrection of your son. Thank you. And so I want to pray for myself. I also want to pray for my friends that, um, God, I don't want to just come to the scriptures right now and go, well, that's, that's what we do. That's what we do on Sunday morning. We read the Bible, we talk about it, and, uh, and that's what we do with our week. I pray that you would give us a renewed sense that, that we are in the presence of, of holiness and we have the gift of the very words of God and we're going to read them. 
and we're going to talk about them. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into truth that we might not have known or we might have forgotten or, or, or a new opening in our lives. And, and I pray that that would bring us joy and excitement and anticipation and on the edge of our seat, not, not waiting to what I have to say, but waiting on what you have to say and how you're going to transform our lives. I pray for that in this family today. And we pray these things with great hope and expectation through the person and work of Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for doing that with me this morning. Um, we're going to actually kind of just jump. I'm going to read the passage and then uh, we'll get in, in and get going here. I'm in Galatians 5. Uh, and here's what I want to do. I just want to read, and you listen for a second, and then come, come to that scripture a little bit later, and we'll walk through it together. But I'm going to start in verse 13. It's on the screen. It says this, For you are called the freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word." You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I'm just facing you because it worked out that way. I'm not talking specifically to you, okay? Uh, But uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, those are very straightforward words, right? There's not a lot of like, what did Paul mean <laughs> when he wrote that? Um, yeah, they're, they're right there for us to read and understand. I have a quick question. Uh, and anybody in here, would you, uh, would you classify yourself as a relationship expert? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> nobody's raising their hand. You know, usually the people who do are like people who are just about to get married because like everything's great and what, oh, we love, we've, we've had all the tough conversations. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, nobody, nobody is. Anybody who is, like, don't, like, run, run far, right, if they think they're a relationship expert. Um, and uh, because relationships are, are, they're challenging, Right. I was just doing some, some research this week, and I found some interesting findings, is that uh, many, many people uh, in America actually lost friendships uh, after the pandemic in 2020. And so people they talk to regularly, they saw regularly, uh, it's over, it's gone. And they don't see them, and they don't talk to them, and, and they really don't even know why uh, on either side, right? It just went away. Um, they did a survey and found that 49% of people would say, yeah, I've got like one to about three friends uh, total, 
And then they actually found that 12% uh, said, I have, I have no friends. There is nobody in my life that I would consider a friend in that regards. What's most shocking about that is that 12% has actually quadrupled since 1990, okay? So over the last 30 years, uh, we are increasing in, in isolation uh, from one another. And, and, and there's all kinds of different relationships, right? There's not just one, so that makes it challenging because there's like, you have your situational friends. These are the people you see at the gym or you only see them at work or you only see them at school and that's where you hang out. Then you've got like your childhood friends. You've known them since third grade and you've hung out forever and you know, you see each other all the time and it's this great thing. There's marriage and romantic relationships and you, and you can't treat those relationships the way you treat your people at work. Uh, if you try to, uh, you'll probably be in my office. We'll be doing counseling, uh, right? Like, um, so, uh, and then there's this new thing uh, that are online-only friendships. And so these are actually people who have made connections via online, could be uh, through gaming or some other type of thing like that. And they're very, very close. They feel connected. They call them their friends, and they've actually never been in the physical presence of that person and yet they feel very, very close, and that is my friend. And so you've got all these different kinds of relationships out there, and you can't treat all of them exactly the same. So I think that adds to the complexity of relationships. And then I found this, this will probably be a real shocker, is that uh, when you compare men and women, uh, men admitted that uh, we struggle to develop meaningful friendships with other people, right? That's a shocker. So you're going, no, not at all. Um, But yeah, and I think some of that comes from the fact that we just hold some wrong assumptions about relationships. Uh, I I know that I have in the past. Um, There are truths, I wouldn't call them truths, but there are lessons that I learned growing up. Um, Lessons like relationships always end, right? People who say they love you, Uh, will actually hurt you. Um, I learned lessons like the only person you can ever really count on is yourself, right? So don't trust other people. And so those are are lessons that I learned uh, at a very young age growing up. There's probably other lessons or assumptions that you learned. Uh, Maybe things like this, the assumption that other people are the problem, right? I'm fine. It's the rest of the world <laughs> who has the issue. And, and everybody should just accept me for me. I don't need to change. I don't need to grow. I don't need to do anything. You know, I'm the immovable rock, and everybody should adjust for me. Um, assumptions like looking at relationships from an economical status, uh, comparing how much I'm giving to the relationship versus how much I'm receiving. And if it doesn't seem balanced out, then maybe I ought to think about tossing that relationship. It's amazing we're interested in tossing the relationships where we give more than we receive, but if we're on the receiving end more than the giving, we're okay with those. Isn't that weird? So, yeah. But there's like all of these assumptions, and I think a lot of them are actually wrong. I think they're unhelpful. And so I share all of that to say that relationships are complex, and and we need help. Right? We need help to navigate the relationships in our lives. And so what I'd like to do is, is from the passage that we just read, I want to show you three truths about following Jesus Christ and then how that affects our relationships with each other. So, uh, so if you did, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 13. Kind of walk through some things uh, in there. And uh, we are coming close. We've got a couple more weeks in our series, No Other Gospel, where we've been trying to dial in on 
the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only legitimate thing. He's the only person who can actually transform your life. He's the only one who can take a a dead person and bring them back to life. Um, Everything else is veneer. Everything else is illegitimate. Everything else is actually a counterfeit. And so the only gospel that will truly change you, truly save you, truly bring you into relationship with God is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have been focusing in on uh, over these last few weeks. So uh, we're going to kind of jump right in here, um, walking through these three truths. So here's the first truth that I'd like to pull out in front of us today, and it's this, is that Christ set us free so that we could truly love God each other. Okay? Christ set us free so we could truly love each other. Now, uh, you, you have to remember that in Galatia, what was going on is you had these people coming in, and they're like, hey, you got to be a Jew first if you're going to be a Christian. You have to be circumcised and celebrate the feasts and follow all the Old Testament laws if you're going to be a legitimate Christian. And what happened was there were some people in the churches in Galatia that were like, yes, that seems right. I am joining uh, you know, team law, right? I mean, that wasn't official. They didn't have t-shirts and handshake or anything like that, but essentially that's what was going on. I'm team law. And then you had other people in the church in Galatia and they're like, I don't think that's what Paul taught us. I don't really think that's the direction the Holy Spirit is leading us. Uh, so I'm going to resist that. I'm sticking with team grace. And so you essentially had these two camps and anytime you have teams, you're just, it's a place to fester division and and anger, and competition, and all of those things. And so that's happening in Galatia during this time. And so Paul catches wind of this, and he sends this letter, and he gets to these passages, and he says, listen, guys, Christ set us free. But the freedom that he gave us isn't so that we could do whatever we wanted to. He didn't give us freedom so that whatever we could dream up, whatever we could come up with, we would chase after and pursue. But rather, this freedom was that I would actually seek the best for the other people around me. That's actually what the freedom was for, that I would seek the best for those around me. In our culture, when we hear the word freedom, when we think about that concept, um, I think a lot of us, we quickly go to, I have the right to say whatever I want. I have the right to do whatever I want. I have the right to believe whatever I want. And that is what our country is founded on. And that's freedom. That is our culture's definition of freedom. That is not the biblical definition of freedom. You know what the, and, and you're going to find that actually our cultural view of freedom and the biblical definition of freedom are actually in opposition many times. Because the biblical definition of freedom is not that you can say, do, and believe whatever you want. But actually the biblical definition of freedom is this, is to live the way that God designed you to live. And do you know what that is? To rely on him for absolutely everything. Which means you rely on him for what to say. You rely on him for what to do. You rely on him for what to believe. Do do you see quickly how the culture that, that I was raised in actually is in opposition to the gospel and to the truth of who I am in Christ? Paul actually uses this really interesting imagery. It's just below the surface of the language in the letter. He says, listen, if we live selfishly, If we live thinking that I have the right to say, do, and believe whatever I want to, he says we actually end up biting and devouring each other. 
And that's language that's used in other literature of the time that actually refers to what a dragon does. When a dragon shows up in the village and he bites and he devours and he destroys everything in his path so that he can get what he wants. He says, Paul says, when we live that way, we're dragons. We're dragons who only care about ourselves and we'll take out anybody in our pathway to get it at times, right? And just destroy. And I thought about that. Like, could you imagine if something like that happened in this community of faith? Like if there was just at at some point, we were willing to bite one another. We were willing to devour one another. We were able to burn one another over stuff. Like what would be, what would we be willing to do that over? Like, would we be willing to do that over song selections? Would we be willing to do that over service times? Or what building we would worship in? Or what location? Is that enough to actually devour and destroy the, faith, the community of faith? Like, what, what is it? How far? Like, what's willing to go to where we would, we would live that way? But Paul is saying, listen, love selflessly seeks the best for other people. And that's why we've been set free. We've been set free, actually, to serve one another. And Paul's only saying what Jesus had already said, right? In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, uh, Jesus uh, says these words to his disciples. Actually, let's read this passage out loud together, beginning with, for even the Son of Man came. Are you ready? Go. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give. I actually came to sacrifice my life for others. That's what Jesus actually invites us into in walking with him as well. And so that's why we've been set free. So that's the first truth. Here's the second truth is Paul exposes this. He goes, listen, there's a battle that within every believer, right? That's the second truth. There's a battle within every believer. And what I'm about to share with you, this is actually only true of people who have already said yes to Jesus by faith. They've genuinely been born again, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of their lives. And what Paul says is there's actually a battle between the desires of the flesh, right? Sin, um, carnality, whatever you want to call it, versus the desires of the Holy Spirit. And there's this like constant battle going between the two. And part of the reason is this. Before you met Jesus Christ, you used to live life under your own leadership. You were in charge. You're calling all the shots. You do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, with who you want to do it with, right? And that's how that worked. And then when you said yes to Jesus... There's this down payment that got made into your life, and his name's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is actually guiding you and directing you to place yourself under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And so you're relearning how to live, right? Not under my own leadership, but actually under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, listen, the flesh wants to stroke, wants you to stroke your own ego. The flesh wants you to fulfill your own desires. The flesh wants you to take care of you first. And then if you maybe have a little bit left over, you can help others out. But make sure you take, you, take care of you first, because nobody else is going to take care of you. And then Paul says, yeah, the Spirit is the exact opposite of that. The Spirit actually invites you to worship Jesus Christ instead of yourself. The Holy Spirit actually invites you into humility as opposed to pride. 
The Holy Spirit invites you to take on the nature and the form of a servant as opposed to a king. And so the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are in constant opposition. And when you read the fruit of the spirit, right, in verses 22 and 23, what's really interesting about that, um, you know what that really is? It's not like this other thing that the spirit gives that's totally removed from everything else. You know what the fruit of the spirit is, in other words? It's the character of Christ. That's what that is. It's not like this other separate thing. It's like, oh, I've got to have the fruit of the Spirit, and then I'll pursue Jesus another way. It's like, no, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. He is love. He is kind. He is joyful. He is peace. He is patience. He's kind. He's all of those things, right? You see that in the gospel and more. And so it's the character of Christ that begins to develop in you, and that's in clear opposition to the, the desires of the flesh. And I remember for so long, I don't know if you have felt this way or maybe you feel this way now, but I remember feeling for so long guilty about this battle that was going on in my life after I had met Jesus, right? Because I would, ha- I would have these battles against temptation, and when I would sin, I would have this, this guilt. Well, not really guilt, but it was like sorrow and it was remorse, and I, I just I felt bad for engaging in that because I knew that's not what the Lord wanted. And I had this thought that better, more mature Christians didn't face that battle, and when sin or temptation came, they'd be like, oh, there's temptation, backhand, right? Like, get out of here, and they're just flicking sin out of their life because it's no big deal. And I just felt so bad because it's like, if I was more mature, then I wouldn't struggle with this stuff. And then I remember at one point in my life coming to Galatians 5, right? And realizing that what Paul said is that every single born again believer faces this battle all the time. Let me say that again, because that's one of the truths that some of you are going to go away with, and it's going to change how you walk with Jesus from this day forward. Every single born-again believer battles against sin and temptation and the desires of their flesh all the time, okay? All the time, every one of us. And so God has grown me to the place that I actually praise him for the battles, I actually praise him the fact that I have sorrow for sin in my life. I praise him for the victories that come through the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know why? Because that becomes clear indication that the Holy Spirit is living in me and I belong to him and he belongs to me. Because if I could sin and not give a rip about it, I would be more afraid about that. Or if I thought that I lived each day, every day in perfection and holiness, I'd be more afraid about that than I would having battle in my life, right? And so every single one of us, by the way, even Jesus battled against temptation in his own life. You know that? He battled against the temptation to sin in his own life. But there's a huge difference between you and me and Jesus. Jesus never fell in sin. He overcame it every single time. He always was victorious against sin, right? And now because of his victory, you and I get to experience victory in our lives too. And we get to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so know that there's a battle going on within every believer. Here's the last truth is that believers keep killing their selfish desires. Believers keep killing their selfish desires. Um, look, Look at Galatians chapter five, verse 24. It says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now that have crucified is twofold. One, meaning that it has already happened, 
but also there's this continuous nature about it. We're, we're continuing to crucify the flesh. We're continuing to crucify its passions and its desires. And so it's a both and. And so we did it when we said yes to Jesus, but we keep doing it every single day all of the time, right? We're crucifying those, those desires. Um, one way to think about it is like this. So 25 years ago, when I first met Jesus Christ and I said yes to him, essentially what I did was I took old Fritz and I put him on a bus and I sent him as far away as possible as I could, right? And so he's gone, I'm following Jesus. And then out of nowhere, do you know what happens? There's a knock on my door. And guess who's standing there on the front porch? Me, <laughs> right? And there I am and I'm, wow, I thought I got rid of you. And so I realized that putting him on the bus wasn't enough. So you know what I did with him on the front porch? I killed him. Right? Like, I just, I like, I put that dude to death and I buried a hole in the backyard and I threw him in and I covered him up and I went back to living my life. And you know what happened? Like, there's a, there's a, a bing bong on the front door again. You know who's there? Covered in dirt. It's me again. Right? It's like, how is it? It's like this bad zombie movie. Right? Like, I, I just keep showing up on my front door again and again. And so I got to keep killing him. And so listen, here's what you got to catch. There is no quick fix scheme to overcoming sin in your life. There is, if I can just get to this retreat, if I can just have this one experience with the Holy Spirit, if I could just pick out my life verse, then I would overcome sin. Guys, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. It's continuous. It's ongoing. It's lifelong. You know what it is? It's whack-a-fritz. That's, it. That's what it is. And so what happens is like I pop up with sin and I'm like, whack, right? And, I can, and then he goes away and then, he, and then I kill him again. And so I'm just constantly in battle with myself. And listen, you need the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in your life. You don't have what it takes on your own. You need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in your life and keep killing your selfish desires. But that's what following Jesus means, and that's what it looks like, right? It, it, actually, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said it this way. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. You could just stop there and spend the rest of your life meditating on those few words, right? Let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's what Paul is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. What will you, do you have the ability that when you show up on your front door, on your front porch, and you're there looking yourself in the eye, do you have the ability to put yourself down? To dig the hole, to bury, and move on. Do you have the ability to look yourself in the eye and say, I used to love you but now I love Jesus more than you. I follow him, not you. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to do something like that. Okay? So the question is, well, okay, what do I do with all this? Here's what I think Paul was sharing with the Galatians and what he's telling us today. It's this. Invite the Holy Spirit to empower you in your relationships. Invite the Holy Spirit to empower you in your relationships. And maybe some of you are going, well, why? Why would I do that? Well, we go back to the beginning. Relationships are complex. 
There's all different kinds of them, and you can't do the same things in every single one of them. And so relationships are complex. And then to add to that complexity, your friends are in the exact same battle that you're in, okay? And you're friends with people who haven't even met Jesus yet, okay? And so you're, you've got to deal with, and that it raises the level of complexity. And so you need the Holy Spirit. The other thing is this, you and I, right, we have been hurt in the past. Let's just be straight up about that, okay? We've been hurt in the past. If you have been in any form of any human relationship, you have come into some form of hurt, uh, in your life, right? Somebody who loved you, said they loved you, actually ended up leaving you, right? Somebody who said they wouldn't do something, they actually went and did that exact thing. Somebody who said they were going to be there, maybe of no fault of their own, they weren't able to be there when you needed them the most, and they let you down, and there's hurt, and there's, right, there's all of that wrapped up in there, right? And you've been there. Some of you are now. You're there right now. You're in that. You're rest, like you're here this morning, and you're in that world right now trying to figure it out. By the way, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, listen to me. I have guidance. Not me, not Fritz, but him, right? <laughs> um, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. I have plans. I have guides. I have direction. I have goodness for you, right? And, and here's the thing. We've all received hurts in relationships. You know what the harder truth is? We've all given hurts in relationships. We tend to focus on the ones we've received more than the ones that we've given, Right? And so we're all wrestling with that stuff. And so relationships are complex, and so we need the Holy Spirit. But the other side of that is we're all relearning what it means to be a part of a healthy family. I don't care what your background is, right? Like mine is one, my parents are divorced, I have substance abuse in my background, all of these different situations. Maybe some of you, your parents stayed together forever, you had no issues, you grew up in what you would classify as a great household, but none of us grew up in the family without any failure, without any shortcoming that God desired for us from the very beginning, right? We're all wrestling with some form of dysfunction that we dealt with from the past, and it's still there, right? And so maybe it's the form of things that I wrestled with. Maybe it's the forms of something hidden that happened in your family. Maybe you were grown up and you were raised in the church, but the thing that you're wrestling with is religion, right? That you can do this thing on yourself, right? I can figure this thing out alone, Right? We've all got that. And so we're relearning what does it really mean to be part of a healthy family in Jesus Christ? Because when we get hurt, especially when we're hurt by people in the church, in the family of God, what we tend to do is we respond in a couple of ways. We either run, we seek revenge or retaliation, or we try to regain control. Right? That's usually what happens when we're hurt by somebody, and especially those within the family of God. We run, we try to get revenge or retaliation, or we try to regain control. But what's amazing, do you know what the character of the Holy Spirit is? Humility. The character of the Holy Spirit's humility. The character of the Holy Spirit is unity. And there's no place for running, revenge, retaliation, or regaining control when something like that happens. Right? And so when, when there's hurt that happens in a relationship, what the Holy Spirit invites us to do is essentially to practice the gospel on one another. Is we practice the gospel on one another. And, and what I mean is this. So often a lot of people go, well, I guess I just have to forgive you. And, uh, and I will say it. And I will hang on to all my bitterness and resentment below, but I'll never let you see it. Right? 
I'll go, oh, good to see you. I can't stand him, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I sit on this side of the room because they sit on that side of the room, right? Um, and so, right, we just, we do that because that's what we're supposed to do, but we're actually supposed to practice the gospel, which is this, is to look at, admit, and point to the hurt. There's brokenness in our relationship. You hurt me, I hurt you. This happened. This is real. And we need to identify it and we need to admit it. And there's a break in our relationship. It may be massive, it may be minor, but nonetheless, there's a break in our relationship. And then when we recognize that, we realize there's sin, there's some kind of hurt, there's this moment where the Holy Spirit actually reminds us as we're reflecting on the gospel that Jesus died to forgive you of your sin against me. Okay, follow me here. As much as he died for my sin against him. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus died as much for your sin against me as he died for my sin against him. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit reminds me of that. And when he does, I now stand on truth, right? Above and outside of whatever I'm feeling. And now because I've received forgiveness and reconciliation through Christ, I now proclaim forgiveness. Not through my name, through the name of Jesus, right? Because that's what he's called me to do. And I work towards reconciliation as much as possible, okay? Now, if you have questions about what that means, I'd love to meet with you afterwards um, because reconciliation doesn't mean the same thing in every single circumstance. And by the way, if you're going to give away forgiveness like that, if you're going to receive forgiveness like that, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him empowering you to do that. And so the nuts and bolts question then becomes, well, how do I live that way? How do I do that? Well, I think it's four words. Pray. Forgive, kill, I'll explain that, and serve, okay? Pray, forgive, kill, and serve. Now, when I, mean, when I say pray, I don't just mean like telling God what I want, what I need, asking for blessing over the food or things along those lines, but actually I'm talking about reflecting. I'm talking about reflecting on my own life, asking the Holy Spirit to mine and discern and go to the hard places that I'm unwilling to go sometimes, right? To actually reflect on my own life, my interactions, the words I said, how things went, our relationship, all of that. To actually, when I see the speck in your eye, I immediately ask the Holy Spirit, what about the log in mine? That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about prayer. Uh, Recently, um, I had to share some challenging words with another leader, right? And, um, and I just said, said it very truthfully, very plainfully, um, and then we just worked through it from there. And, uh, and then after uh, the next day, I kind of was thinking about it a little bit, and uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me that that leader had had probably one of the most challenging years that they've experienced in a long time of about four very significant things that had happened. Um, and, and that probably pointed to some of the things that were going on behind that, Uh, Now, that didn't mean that what I said was wrong, but what the Holy Spirit led me to do is say, you probably could have been a little bit more gentle. You probably could have been more kind. You probably could have been, you were right. You spoke truth, and yet you could have done that with gentleness more so, if realizing what they have been facing over this last year. And so I recognize that, and it's like, yeah, um, I've got to have more additional conversations with that person, and so I have. And, and that's what I'm talking about reflecting, is you can actually be right and still miss the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit 
right, in a situation. And so you reflect, you pray, and you reflect, and you listen to what God has for you. But then you forgive, right? You got to forgive. You got to give it. You got to ask for it. By the way, forgiveness is a supernatural gift from God. Did you know that? Forgiveness is a supernatural gift from God, right? And so when you give it, when you receive it, it's a gift, and you need the Holy Spirit's empowering within that. The third one was kill, okay? Here's what I mean by that. Now, I don't mean like pray about it, reflect, forgive them, and then kill them. Uh, what I mean is you, when, you're, when you forgive, you got to identify that thing that you're going to lose because you're forgiving them. Because what you're doing is you're giving up some right to revenge or retaliation or something you thought you were owed. And you've got to realize when I forgive or I ask for it or I receive it, I am going to lose that thing. And so identify that thing. And here's what I would do. Don't just be prepared to lose it. Beat, beat the curve and kill it, right? I, I'm giving up my right to get this thing. Because here's the reality. You cannot receive forgiveness and hang on to your pride, You cannot give away forgiveness and nurse and nurture your bitterness. And so when you forgive, very quickly identify that thing you're going to lose that you thought you could hang on to and just obliterate it. Hand it over to the Lord and get rid of it and choose to walk with him instead. And then finally, serve. This is where Paul started. He said, listen, Christ set us free so we could serve one another so we could seek the best for one another. Actually, serving others is a really clear sign of reconciliation, right? And it doesn't mean you have to go on vacation together, right? It doesn't mean you have to spend every Friday night playing cards and eating pizza the rest of your life. But what it does mean is, just really quick, my wife was really deeply hurt by a family member at an early age. And I watched her go through a lot of this stuff, and I can tell you today, she actually prays for blessing for that family member still today, Okay, that's now they don't have a close relationship. Don't make me mistake that. But she has the ability to pray for them in humility that they would get God's best in their life. Right? I'm able to see that firsthand. That is the the outflow of the gospel in our lives. And, And so then you get to the real place. You go, well, okay, all that sounds good. If everything works out wonderful, but what if the other person doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them? What if they're not? What if they're not submitting to the Spirit? What if they're submitting to the flesh? What if they're not? What are they? Okay. Guess what now? You now get to walk in the sandals of Jesus. You now identify with Jesus better than ever. God in the flesh who came, despised, rejected, killed, humiliated, tortured, all for us, overlooked all of it. Granting forgiveness, and a lot of people say, I don't need forgiveness from Jesus. You can take that and give it to somebody else. Yeah, now you're being light in a dark world. You're now walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So let me, here's just a thought. I want to close with this this idea because what we're talking about really requires the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I want to throw out an idea that you might consider, something I've been doing for a couple of weeks now, and it's called the office of prayer. And the office of prayer is, it's it's a lot more simple than you think it is. Um, The office of prayer is basically regular reminders throughout the day to stop whatever you're doing and just pray. And so I've got three alarms on my phone. So I get up in the morning, I spend time with the Lord, and then I've got three alarms, 9 o'clock, 11.45, and 3 p.m., and they go off, and whatever I'm doing, I just stop. I stop and I reflect on the last few hours of my life. And I ask the question, Lord, 
Who's been in charge over the last three hours? Have I been walking in step with the Holy Spirit? Or, or has Fritz been leading the charge? How did my interactions go with the people that I encountered with? Right? And I just rely on him and I talk to him and I listen to him and I ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance. And, and man, I can't tell you how much that that is transforming my daily, my even hourly reliance on the Lord. Right? Like it is causing me to lean in with greater desire, greater expectation, all of those things. And so consider trying out the office of prayer this week. You know, if you do, like, let me know. Uh, put it on your connection card. And if you've got questions, reach out to me. I'd love to help you. I'm a, I'm a fellow journeyer in the process as well. But you might check that out, the office of prayer. But I want you to imagine for a moment how God could transform us, how God could change our relationships living under the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Like, what reconciliation might happen? What bitterness that you and I have been holding on to might get let go? What forgiveness that we freely given might be freely received? Seeing love increasing, experiencing joy, living in peace and patience, right? Watching the goodness and the kindness of God flow out to people who don't deserve it, me who is one of them, right? Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is practical, guys, right? This isn't some list that you memorize and somebody goes, you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? You go, yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, gentle, self-control, you know? See, I know, I'm a Christian. No, Paul gave that list to say, is it flowing out of your life? Is it making its way into relationships? Are, are you in a place where you forgive even to the point where it appears that you're being taken advantage of? Because that's exactly how Jesus Christ comes across. Right? And you need the Holy Spirit if you're going to live like that. All right, I got to stop. There's a, I have more stuff, but time's up. And, uh, and bands are like, come on, get off stage, bro. Uh, <laughs> no, they knew when they needed to come up. But here's what, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're still going to do prayer leaders. But within that, here's what I want to do. Um, in your bulletin is like this slip of paper. Um, and you, some of you have been like freaking out the whole time. What is this about? They're just wasting paper now and sticking it in my bulletin. This is so wasteful. Uh, there's purpose. So there's a piece of paper. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, and if you don't have a bulletin, number one, um, shame on you. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, but if you don't have a bulletin, you don't have that piece of paper, you, you can actually rip, you don't need a big piece, just something about that big, enough you can write a word on it. Just rip some off and hand it to your friend. Uh, if you get a piece of paper, then that means you're loved. Uh, if you don't, well, anyways, uh, and so, um, but uh, no, so, so just rip off a piece or ask somebody, hey, can I have a piece of your paper? And you maybe ask, ask for a pen or something like that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that piece of paper and a pen. Uh, and if you don't have a pen, figure out another way to do it. But I want you to identify in your life, in your life, what is like, just being honest, what's a selfish desire that I have? What's a passion that's leading my life that's outside of Jesus. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the courage to actually write that down on that piece of paper. By the way, no copying off of your neighbor, okay? This is your, this is your own desire. This is your own. And I want you to identify, I want you to write it on that piece of paper. And then once you're done writing it, I want you to hold it in your hand, okay? And I want you to hang on to it for a little bit. And I want you to think about what all is wrapped up in that desire what all is wrapped up inside of that passion. And what's going to happen is the band is going to play. And when you're ready, 
and you want to give that up, what I'm going to ask you to do, whenever, up to you, is you're going to walk out of your seat, and there's trash cans at the front here. And in a symbolic way, you're going to crumble that up, and you're going to throw it in the trash as a symbol of crucifying your passions and desires because your love for Christ is greater, right? But here's, I want to tell you this. If you don't want to let go of that, don't walk up here and throw it away. Here's what I would rather you do. Be straight up and be honest and take that slip of paper and put it in your pocket. And I want you to go home with it because I want you to be honest before the Lord and say, I would rather have this than you. And that's where I'm at today. And I need you to help me come to a different place. You understand what I'm saying? Because I don't want you to do an act of religion and think that that takes care of it. But this is a symbolic step of trusting the Lord. And so I want you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and just write that down on your paper real quick. Think about what is this thing? What is this selfish desire? What is this, this, this passion that I have that seems to keep popping up? I keep showing up. Jesus, we all have them. I've got them. Every one of us, this is something we wrestle with. Every believer battles this battle. And I'm wondering if your Holy Spirit would empower us with courage, with love, with joy, with kindness, with peace, with patience, with goodness, with gentleness, with long-suffering, with self-control, all of those things to choose you over ourselves as much as possible and keep transforming our hearts and our spirits into the character of Christ instead of into the character of the world. We're trusting you in this and asking you to empower us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.